great to see all of you. Would you join me in prayer? Faithful and mighty God, we thank you for the chance to worship. It's a gift to start the new year with friends, with family, with our kids growing and being challenged. Thank you. We know that you have great things in store for us, not because we're, we're great or we deserve it or we have earned it, but because you are so generous and so good. So as we take a moment now and look at your word, we anticipate your word challenging us as it's challenged me in, in study and preparation this week. I pray that for all of us, there would be an opportunity to see a calling in our lives out of the shallows and into the deep waters, into the places of your kingdom. God, would you lead us forward through this time? May the words of my mouth and the things that each of us consider in our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, welcome everybody. It is so fun to see all of you here this morning. I hope you had a great Christmas and that your New Year is off to a great start. Uh, My wife and I got to get away last week. Uh, My parents gave us a wonderful gift of their time, so they came up to visit. They're here. And we got away to beautiful San Diego, where my wife went to college. It was a great week. I feel very, very grateful for the time off. One of the things we love to do when we get away together on a vacation, which is different than a trip, all you parents in the room, you know what I mean? Vacation, trip, not the same thing. Trip with kids, vacation, not with kids. So we didn't bring our kids. We got to have this wonderful time of vacation together. And one of the things we love to do is explore and go do some adventure, do something fun. You know, if you want to sit around and just go to a winery, that's great. But we would like to go out and do something. So we went to the beach a couple different times. And my wife went to college in San Diego. So it was really fun for me to kind of see her world there and kind of explore these different places together. One day we went on a hike and we went down to uh, this park called Torrey Pines. And we hiked down to the shallows to the tidal pools which are really fun, and especially if you have little kids. Tidal pools are a great place to explore and see little animals and creatures and fish and all that. Uh, The tidal pools we went to were kind of (laughs) deforested, like there weren't a lot of animals or anything cool to really see there, but it was still fun to do that. So we went to the shallows. Then the next day, we got in a kayak together, which is a fun exercise in marriage, just overall, like sharing a tiny space. I hit Jill with a paddle accidentally. It was glorious. And we got out into the deep waters. And the deep waters was a very different experience than the shallows. We uh, paddled over a kelp forest. We went and looked at some sea caves. We uh, heard sea lions barking. We didn't actually get to see one pop up. We saw um, swim buoys floating, and we went, oh, that's a sea lion. Oh, no, it was just the buoy. Little tease there. But we went into the deep waters, and it was so fun. And you experience something completely different when you're in the deep waters. You are on your own, right? You're looking around and you're going like, if we get in trouble, there's really nowhere to go here. And the end of this story is not that we got in trouble. We still had a great time. But it's a different experience. For many of us, the shallows, just exploring the tidal pools, is the place where we like to be right now. We may not call it the shallows, but that's our life. It's a place of comfort. It's a place where things are not going to come and wipe us away. It's a place where we're kind of in control, we're safe. And that may be the job that you have, where you've worked really hard to get there and you feel really established and rooted there, you're thankful for it, you're in a good place, and you're also kind of bored. And you're worried, is this boredom going to keep going? Am I going to keep being bored in my job? That's That's an experience of the shallows. You're going, is this it? Is this enough? The deep waters are different. 
And I believe our singular calling in 2019 is for each of us and the people we love to step into the deep waters, the deep waters of God's kingdom, the places where the captives are set free, where we are in solidarity with people who are poor and suffering, where we are not turning a blind eye to the pain of our world, but we are entering into it, just like the text tells us, that the people of God have always been at their best when they are called into the deep waters. That's our challenge. That is our singular focus for the year ahead. And I want to frame that in a way that's particularly challenging to me. The shallows for me, this is my fourth year of being the pastor here at Bethany Eastside. The shallows for me has been getting my arms around my role here, trying to understand who we are as a congregation. Some of you know we started as a house church. We're obviously no longer in a house but we have a future that God is leading us into. And it's been my hope and joy and opportunity to try to lead us into that future. The shallows for me has been just doing my job, kind of playing it safe. I don't want 2019 to be another year of playing it safe. I want 2019 to be a year where I am stepping into the deep waters in new ways with each of you. And we'll talk a little bit about what that may be as we come up into the sermon a little more. What is your deep water? What is the place that God may be calling you to, or that if you're here this morning and you're just kind of kicking the tires on this Christianity thing, what would stretch you? What would push you? For me, it's naming a reality for us that we as a church, we are a particular size, which is great. We're a small church. Our strongest asset is our relationships that matter so much. And yet for us to step into big dreams together, for us to have the future that I think God wants for us, we need to grow. We need to invite. We, all of us, I'm not putting this task on myself. I'm not putting it on the staff. I'm putting it on all of us to invite people into the deep waters that we know are right here in our midst and they are in our community. And so many of our friends, so many of the people that we love and know well, they are stuck in the shallows. They're tired. They're afraid. There's so many things that we are afraid of, Eastsiders, and yet we are so capable and so confident, and we got our jobs, and we've got our pensions, and we got stuff figured out, and our kids get to go to great schools, and we're still afraid. We're afraid of being exposed, that we're not as strong as we think. We're afraid that someone's going to wake up one day and figure out, like, I'm actually not that good at being a parent. I'm actually not that good as a spouse. We're afraid. But the deep waters are the things that we are called to, to move through our fears, to step into a new season together. And in this season of our life together as a church, if you look at our numbers, and I'm not a big numbers person, but this matters because it's tied to our dreams, we've been in about 70 to 90 souls on a Sunday for the last three years. And that's a great group of people, and I'm thankful for that. But for the big dreams that I think God has for us, we need more. We need more people to own these dreams with us, to build dreams together. We need more people to have their lives changed by being in small groups, by having their kids cared for and mentored and loved in our children's ministry. We need more. I am convinced that we need more. And this is a big dream for me, that someday we would be able to be a church that blesses our community in such a way that if we were to disappear, the community would go, where did Bethany Community Church go? We need them. We need them. That we are making such an impact in schools. That we are changing people's lives. That we are investing in kids. That we find a way to achieve this dream that every mobile church pastor dreams of, of 24-7 space. Where we no longer have to tear everything down and put it away. 
More so than that, that we are driven by our mission to a place where we go, I would never take another job in another part of the world because I love my church so much. And my kids love my church so much. And my family belongs here. That we would weigh seriously that choice because we feel so deeply committed to this place that God has called us to. We are called to the deep waters and we are not called there for ourselves. We are called there to bring others in. And we are not called to live in the shallows. We are called to the depths. How are we going to get there? Two main ideas for us to consider. Where are we now? And the theory I have is this. We are safe in our heads. Can you say that with me? We're safe in our heads. That's step one. Where do we need to be is step two. And the answer to that is into the deep waters. Will you say that with me? Into the deep waters. We're going to move from safe in our heads to into the deep waters. That is our focus for the rest of the morning. So let's take a look at our text. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the book of Philippians. If you'd like to pull out your phone and turn on your Bible app, please do that. As I was studying this week, I found something really interesting in the text. It starts in verse 8. So that's where I'll begin the reading for us right now. And I want you to listen for this word, knowing. Philippians 3, verse 8. Paul has talked about I'll set this up for us. Paul has given uh, the people of Philippi a glimpse into his life, the things that he is so proud of, his pedigree, his degrees. He's given the resume, right? This is how strong I am as a religious person. This is why people love me. This is why you should adore me. And then he sweeps all that off the table. He throws it all away. And he says, yet whatever gains I had, this is verse seven, these I've come to regard as loss because of Christ. Here it is. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That's one of several Greek words that refer to knowledge, knowing. Now stay with me here. There's a type of knowledge that I'm going to talk about for a minute called head knowledge. Can you say that with me? Head knowledge. Any Enneagram fives in the room, this is your happy place. If you're like me and you're an Enneagram 5, you love this stuff. Head knowledge is memorizing the periodic table of the elements when you were in high school chemistry. Who had to do that? I had to memorize the periodic table of the elements, the atomic weights of all the elements. Why did I need to know that? I had to draw organic molecules, like all this crazy stuff. High school chemistry, right? That's head knowledge. But some of you who've been here a long time know where I'm going with this. What changed my life in high school chemistry? Not the periodic table of the elements, not having to do organic molecules. Mrs. Lowry, my high school chemistry teacher, who looked at me when I was struggling, when I was discouraged, when I was disappointing myself and going, can I even do this? What am I doing in this class? I don't like chemistry. She looked at me in my 16-year-old self and said, Travis, you can do this. I believe in you. Head knowledge, heart knowledge. Mrs. Lowry is saying to me, you can do this. I believe in you. You can do this. That is heart knowledge. You know why it's heart knowledge? Because I didn't forget it. (laughs) Because it got down deep. Every one of us knows the difference between head knowledge, heart knowledge. My fear is that we as a church love head knowledge so much, and I'm guilty of this to you guys. I love head knowledge. I love new ideas. You want to talk to me about the books that I'm reading? I got a trunk full of books in the back of my car. It's like a mobile library. I love ideas, but they don't go down deep very often, and they don't change me as much as I would like. 
our tradition here at Bethany has always been that we are a church that teaches the Bible, and we're going to keep doing that, and we're going to dig deep, and we're going to be good scholars of the scriptures, but it's not going to change us until it moves to the heart. That's what Paul's concern for the Philippians was. They were in a highly secular city. They were one of the only itty-bitty churches in this big city. Does this sound familiar? They were trying to reach their neighbors. They had great Bible teaching because Paul helped start them up. Luke was their leader later on in their life as a church. They had it all going, but Paul was saying to them, wait, you are chasing after this knowledge. And it's good. You need head knowledge and you need heart knowledge. If you walk out of here today going, I don't need that head knowledge. I just need heart knowledge. You weren't listening. We need both. But Paul is saying to the people of Philippi, if you want to build big dreams together as a church, everything is second place to seeking Christ, to knowing Christ. In 1 Corinthians 8.1, writing to a different church, Paul lays out a very pithy statement that uses this same word for head knowledge. It goes like this, knowledge puffs up, and if you know it, say the rest of it with me, but love builds up. Knowledge puffs up, but what happens next, church? But love builds up. That's agape love. That's the love of God that seeks the flourishing of whatever it's directed on. The thing that you love most, the thing that you would sacrifice for. I want our love for our church to be something that we would sacrifice for. That's what I think we are being called to, into these deep waters. Don't just settle for head knowledge, church. Don't just settle for this puffing up that happens. Knowledge puffs up. Don't we know about this? Don't we live in a time where what you know, your intellectual capital, is everything? Talking heads, subject matter experts, it's all out there. This is the logical conclusion of individualism, by the way. Individualism says, you can do it. You got this. You can learn it. You know it. No, we don't. And our despair keeps us in the shallows. The despair that our friends and neighbors feel when they feel like, I'm gonna be, someone's going to figure out I'm not a good parent. Someone's going to figure out I'm not that good at my job. Or they're discouraged when someone in their family goes through a terrible thing like a divorce. Or when they lose somebody they love. These are stories that I know have happened in our congregation just in the last year. People who are wrestling with really weighty issues and going, you know what, I just got to stick to my guns. I got to keep, I got to stay in the shallows. It's safe. It's comfortable. I got to stick to my routine. That's what keeps me safe. That's what keeps me going. No, it doesn't. Because the deep waters are where you and I belong. And Paul is saying to this to the people of Corinth, and he's saying it to us, and even though it's one of our strengths, and I love this about us, that we teach so that people's hearts and minds belong to Jesus Christ, it can become way too safe, way too easy to stay in the head knowledge space, way too safe to say, I'm happy here. I don't need to go any deeper. So how are we going to move toward those deep waters, church? It's not going to be us. It's going to be Christ alive in us, living through us. This is where we go a little bit further into the text. Listen to verses uh, 8 through 10. I'm going to read the second part of 8. This is what Paul is saying to this incredible group of people in Philippi, challenging them to go to the deep waters. He's just made this statement about knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Then he says this, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Here comes the next knowledge word. You ready for it? I want to know Christ. Say that with me, church. 
I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death if somehow I may attain the resurrection of the dead. I want to know Christ. Paul is not whistling Dixie. This was his life. Remember his story in the book of Acts? He was Saul. He was this leading figure in his religious circles. He was well-respected and well-regarded. And quite literally, he is knocked off his horse, thrown to the ground, and the knowledge of Christ, the heart knowledge, this word that he's using here is heart knowledge. It takes him down to a level he'd never been down to before. You've had this happen. You know this experience where you are stripped down raw to the barest part of who you are. And Paul has this experience, and he has someone with him. Remember who's with Paul after he gets knocked off his horse? This man that was terrified of him. He had a terrorist sleeping on his couch, Ananias, and said, I'm going to love you and show you who Christ is. And Paul's heart is changed by this man's kindness. Paul's heart is exposed to God's heart for the poor and the blind and the downtrodden and the vulnerable and the lost. And my fear for us as a church is as much head knowledge as we have, our hearts don't yearn for the people stuck in the shallows to be in the deep waters. That we let our friends and neighbors who don't know Christ just kind of do their thing. Stay in the shallows. Just, yeah, they're not hurting anybody, right? It's fine. I don't want to talk to somebody about the church or about my faith. You know, that's really hard. I'm not allowed to do that in my workplace. I get it. But Paul's heart was changed, and I want our hearts, I want my heart to be changed, where I feel this longing for my neighbors and my friends and my coworkers who don't yet know Christ, wherever you serve, that they might step into these deep waters as Paul did. The New Testament uses the word for head knowledge 29 times. Guess how many times it uses the word for heart knowledge? 222 times. There is almost 10 times more emphasis, usage of this type of knowledge, the knowledge that changes the heart. Nothing, the Paul promises us, this church, nothing will ever satisfy us like the knowledge of Christ's will, the heart knowledge. How do we get there? We've got to be together. We've got to be here. Make this a priority. So many of you are here every week, and if you're not in worship, you're serving. Keep it up. But make this time a priority. It is not enough to just come once a month or as often as you can. It is an ordering of our time. What do you do with your calendar? You put things on your calendar that you love, that you will sacrifice for. Put this on your calendar. Block this time out. Make it a place to be. How do we encounter heart knowledge? We do it not simply by saying like, yeah, I guess I'll go do this or I'll go do that. It'll be fine for me. You go into the things that God is calling you to and saying, God, I'm holding this open to you. I want to be changed by this. I had a friend who came with me to Men's Malibu, wonderful retreat up at a Young Life camp in British Columbia. And at the end of that retreat, he was so changed at the heart by watching other men be honest with each other, praying for each other, having adventures together, that on our drive back from Malibu, he just opened up his heart and just shared some really deep, difficult things that he had walked through all throughout his life. I don't know that he'd ever shared that with anybody. And it was a privilege for me to hear that and receive that and pray for him. Guys, that is the deep waters. That is the place where we belong. We do not belong in the shallows. We belong in the adventure 
of the deep waters? Will you sit with someone and let them guide you into the deep waters? Will you receive that? When you're driving in the car and someone just wants to open up with you, will you sit and listen to a coworker who is breaking down because of their hurts and their pains? And will you just say, you know what? I don't know how to fix this, but I'm with you. I'm hearing you. You're not alone. I'm praying for you. Paul did not want the Philippians to be a smart church. I do not want us to be a smart church. I want us to be a deep church. And I want us to be a church that invites people in to the deep waters and dreams, big dreams. What kind of dreams? I'll tell you what kind of dreams. Dreams where every single person in this church knows that we love Garrett and Michelle Light's ministry to the Campus Crusade for Christ to reach college students. Every person in this church knows that's a great ministry. We are for them. We are excited about what God is doing at Utah Bothell and Bellevue College, and we're cheering for you guys. Every person. Every person <clears throat> knows about Eastside Academy. Remember when they came to visit us in December? This incredible alternative high school. Kids' lives are being changed. And we're there. We're with them. We're not staying in the shallows. We're in the deep waters of walking with kids. It's amazing. We're there. People need to know that the deep waters are there. And they need to hear from us. How will they know? If we don't tell them, how will they know that Young Life is changing kids' lives all around this community? And that we are doing our best to partner with them and support them and cheer for them. That is one of my dreams. That every one of us will get behind one of these ministries and point people toward Christ. Yeah, I dream about us having a building. Yeah, I dream about us having two services, room for more people. Wouldn't that be great? Absolutely. But these are the things that God is doing now. He is realizing dreams now. A year ago, we did not have a ministry for kids who were coming up out of elementary school and going into middle school. We didn't have anything for them. We just kind of had to shrug our shoulders and say, we're sorry. We love taking care of preschoolers and elementary, but we're not there yet. We're there. Thank God for Kristen. Thank God for our tween team. Thank God for realizing these dreams of saying, these kids that are about to step into a crazy time in life, they have a group of caring adults around them now who are investing in them, praying for them, saying, hey, how's it going? How was your test this week? That is a dream that is coming together, church. And it's a deep dream, and it's one that we can all be a part of. Every one of us. I long for that. I long for us to know our neighbors and to pray for them. I long for us to invite people in. I long for us to be a church that doesn't just have great ideas, but has a community that people look at and they go, I, I gotta be a part of that. I gotta be a part of what God's doing there. How do you do that? How do you step into this? I'm gonna break out just a couple of ideas from verse 10 specifically. And these are very practical steps. Paul says that I may know Christ. Remember, this is the heart knowledge piece. Knowledge that comes through relationship and transforms us. Knowledge that is apprehended, that we acquire by being in relationship. Guess what you gotta do to get heart knowledge? You gotta be in relationship. You gotta be around other people. Introverts, do not be scared of this. It is all right to be in Christian community in a way where you are with people and you know they're for you and you don't gotta talk the whole time. You just get to come. 
So get into a small group. Hold up that small group survey card. It was in your bulletin. It's white. It says small group survey at the top. If you are not in a small group, fill that out. This is the tool we use to help people figure out, how do I even get started? Where do I go? When do they meet? Whatever. Fill it out. Bring it to the welcome table. We'll have somebody there to receive it, and we will find a way to get you connected. Our small group has been such a blessing to my family. We have walked with each other through seasons of trials, of praying for each other. We prayed for each other as we looked for a house and God answered our prayer. It was amazing. And I'm so thankful for how different our family is and our life is because of our small group. If you want to know Christ, heart knowledge Christ, get into relationships where that's going to rub off on you. Women, put this date on your calendar. May 3rd through 5th, Leavenworth, Women's Retreat. The entire Bethany family gets behind this. A bunch of you go every year. It's awesome. You wouldn't miss it for the world. Amen? So go. I would love for that to be officially known as Dude Sunday at Bethany because it's all dudes. All of our women are off. They are rejoicing and learning about Christ and inviting their friends and seeing these deep waters. Let's make it happen, you guys. Men, you're going to come with me to Malibu this year. It's going to be an amazing week. It's May 15th through 19th. You need a passport. Get on the passport. It's incredible. You will not want to miss it. What was that? Oh, come on. Canada's still working. Come with me to Malibu this year. Do not miss it. Start talking to your spouse about it right now. Last thing Start serving. You've got, a, you've got a serving card, opportunities to serve. You're going to be hearing more about this in the weeks and months to come. All, so many of you serve already. If you don't, I want to tell you about somebody at this church who just inspires me with how they serve. They serve so faithfully. They've been a part of this church from the very beginning. And I came up to him one Sunday and I said, hey, thanks for teaching. Thanks for serving. I know you guys give a lot. You sacrifice a lot. And I'll never forget this. This person said to me, oh, it is a privilege to teach our kids. Isn't that great? It is a privilege to teach our kids. Whatever you want to step into, whether it's teaching kids, whether it's just being a teacher's assistant and doing crowd control, which we need, whether it's jumping on the tween team, it's helping do setup, it's giving your gifts in worship, however you can do that, our most precious resource of sacrifice is our time. So would you consider doing that? Would you step in and be generous with your time like Heather called us to generosity earlier? Together, we will be a people who bring this resurrection power of Jesus. It's not our power, it's his power. We will bring that to bear in 2019 like we've never seen before. Yes, I want to see us grow. 70 to 90 souls on a Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. There are more people who need to be here in the deep waters. There are more people who need to know about Crew and Eastside Academy and Young Life and all the other amazing things God is doing. It is something we will do together. I will be at my worst as your pastor when I think it's my job to grow this church. You think I can do that by myself? Because I sometimes tell myself I do. That's not fun. It is our task. It is our calling. It is our opportunity to say this is the step that God has for us this year. Deep waters, not content to be in the shallows anymore. Not staff's job, not leader's job, not somebody else's job, all of us inviting people in, saying, hey, look, come to my house for dinner. You don't even have to invite somebody to church first. Start with dinner. Dinner's usually really, really good. Go do dinner. Then start talking to someone about what you love about our church. Go join a small group. Then start talking to someone about joining you in that group. Speak out of your place of passion. 
to invite people into what God is doing here. When we do events like we did yesterday, the swim party, so much fun, such a great time, that is for others. It's great that we all came to that and had a great time of fellowship. I want your neighbors to be there. I want to meet more of Darcy's friends. I want to meet more of everybody's community that can come to those events because we're going to be doing more of these and just saying, hey, look, this is who we are as a church. We value relationships and we value the next generation of leaders and servants and we care about your family. Come, be a part of what God is doing here. We can all take part in that. That is where we ask for Jesus' resurrection power to give us strength. Not in coming up with the right thing to say, or I got to invite this person at the right time. No, 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 no. You just ask. Jesus, I want to talk to my neighbors about you, and it's scary, but I need your resurrection power right now. Would you provide it as you see fit? Just like that. Ain't no magic trick. Not putting a coin in a slot machine. It's asking for power. Would you do that, church? Would you do that in the year ahead? I'm committing to doing that, so I am not playing it safe anymore. And you can hold me accountable to that. I want to be wise. I want to be prudent. But just doing my job, that needs to die. And that's my final question for us. What needs to die? The very end of our passage says this. Paul wants to become like him, Jesus, in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. What do you got to do first before you're resurrected? got to die. You got to die. What needs to die? Does your pride need to die? Probably. Selfishness. Your ambition. The next ladder, the next rung on the ladder, the next thing, the next stop on the career. The bigger house, the better looking spouse. What needs to die? Something needs to die. For me, this year, I hope it's the year that my comfort dies. And that I get to step into this wild adventure that God is doing here at Bethany. And I'm so glad to be doing it with each of you. I want to finish by sharing uh, an image, one of my favorite images of 2018. This is uh, my son, Will, getting a uh, wheelbarrow ride at Community Serve Day with Garrett. And this is at uh, the elementary school that our kids go to. And we stepped into this at the end of last summer. A bunch of you were there. This had never happened before at my son's school. There were 30 folks from our church, 30 folks, and 100 people from the wider community who came, and we just did everything we could at this school for a whole day. We cleaned up, we did yard work, we helped teachers get their classrooms ready, and my son got a free wheelbarrow ride. Now here's why I love this picture. This is the deep waters. The shallows is driving by a school that you don't know, you're not connected to it, and you just go, okay, whatever. The deep waters is, we're going to go and we're going to have fun. We're going to have a fun year together, you guys. And we're going to do things like this, and when adults step into the lives of kids, their lives are different. My son knows he had a fun ride. He, he might recognize Garrett. What I want is more and more for us to be a church that gives wheelbarrow rides to kids all over our city. That we are in their schools. We are in their neighborhoods. We are that neighbor. We are that person next door that someone looks up to. They could be a kid. They could be a grown-up, whoever. And they look at you, and they love you, and they trust you, and they know something's different about you. And it's the love of Christ. So may we be a church that gives wheelbarrow rides out of the shallows and into the deep waters in 2019 and beyond. 
And who knows, maybe one day my son looks at Garrett or looks at another caring adult and says, we, we had some fun together. I trust you. I want to know about this Jesus that you follow. I want to know. And I believe you're the person I can ask. Every one of you, every one of us has that ability, friends. So let's go give some wheelbarrow rides. What do you say? Would you join me in prayer? God, you have big dreams for us, bigger than buildings, bigger than anything else. We can come up with all kinds of things that we hope for, but what we really want is you. And that's the, that's the whole thing. Head knowledge, heart knowledge, it just comes back to you, God. So would you pour out more of yourself into our lives in 2019 than we've ever seen? Would you change our schools? Would you change our workplaces? Would you change our whole community? As we prepare our hearts now to come to the table, may our steps of faith to this table be those first steps of 2019 toward deep waters, out of the shallows, into the deep. May we be leading our communities, the places where we serve, where we have the privilege of leading and taking care of others, whether it's leading in the home or in the marketplace or at schools or hospitals, wherever we go. May these moments we now have at the table be used to fuel the mission that you have for us, to be a church that invites others into the deep waters of Christ. We ask in his mighty name, amen.